You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM, Program Reflections. I am your host, Zubair Akram. Today is April 27th and it's the 14th of Ramadan, 27th of April. Time just now is 7.39. And while this track was being played, um, it got me into this state of uh, resourcefulness that someone like myself, who is indulged into dunya all day long with lots of temptations and sins around me, and yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables us to be interacting with the most special thing, his beloved Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with this beautiful track, Lakhon Salam, Mustafa Jani Rehmat Be Lakhon Salam, Shamae Bazme Hidayat Be Lakhon Salam, Shamae Bazme Hidayat Be Lakhon Salam. And over these last 13 days, 13 odd days, uh, we've learned many, many things. And thing that really stands out is that the bedrock of our faith, trying to understand ourselves, trying to understand, make sense of this universe, make sense of this life. It all depends on how well we are connected with our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It is through his love in our hearts that we are able to connect not just with him, alayhi salatu wasalam, but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself. That's what I have learned in the last few days. And I just feel it is really, really fortunate for anyone to be in this situation where we get a moment or we get a few moments or we get some time to listen to Durood and send Durood on <clears throat> Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad um, from Istanbul and I'm your host Zubair at the moment in Lahore but we are presenting this program primarily for people of Glasgow Assalamu alaikum Sheikh Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh it's something really special about this track. Really special. Uh, sometimes we are able to not hear, we aren't able to hear this because it's going on radio, but not on Facebook Live. And I think Faisal just played this. And it just really gets you going. Something very, very special. Something very special. How have you found this track, Sheikh? How have you found this poetry? Well, um, it's, it's not my expertise. <laughs> but I, I do. I understand it. It's not my expertise, obviously. I'll, I'll leave other people to speak about the the literary merits of the poetry. But it is considered to be one of the best um, yeah. in, in the last century. The, probably the best um, poetic descriptions of the Prophet And it is it's a very, you know, it's a jami' man piece of kalam, which is means it's collect. It collects every, so many different aspects. Every Every stanza collects so much information and detail. And mani' means that it stops frivolous content also coming in. So it's not just, it's very well referenced in a sense. If you know your hadith and Quran and traditions of seerah, you'll understand every line, every word has a whole, you know, kind of context of narratives and seerah and, and the hadith of Prophet and the tafsir of the Quran. So that just shows the author's, you know, um, voluminous, scholarship um that they could have you know come to come to you know put together something as, as dense and and um you know inspiring as that because it is inspiring and you know the people that have listened to it from childhood uh, will know it has been something that's a childhood memory for people it is, um, yeah. without understanding why it is but then you know later on in life they come to understand the wording and then they start to uh, appreciate the, the meanings as well Subhanallah, Subhanallah. 
شہر یار ارم تاجدار حرم نو بہار شفات پہ لاکھوں سلام شہر یار ارم تاجدار حرم نو بہار نو بہار شفات پہ لاکھوں سلام اینڈ دس از ایگزیکٹ کانسیپٹ He, he first of all sends the, the blessings upon the personage of the Prophet himself as a person, as an individual human, and then he sends it, he, then he gives the reasons why that is and, and gives that as another proof for why you should give unending um, prayers in the Prophet because Lakhu Salam doesn't just mean million, if you translate it million, I think, It's not, yeah. it means unending, it, you know, the, the word... In, the, infinite, infinite. Infinite, yeah, it's not, trans, I mean, I, I know people translate it as million, but it's not, it's infinite, you know, unending is, is a more apt way of translating into English, unending prayers and salutations upon this person whose, you know, khutbah was awe-inspiring or whose, whose um, capacity to give intercession was unending. So, mm. you know, the more that you learn about the seerah, the more you understand this poem, موربٹ درود کوئی عام سا درود نہیں ہے روشن پور نور لونر آربٹنگ روشن درود نہیں ہے یہاں پہ کچھ اور ہے شب اسرا کے دولہا پہ دائم درود کامنٹری In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. 
وَإِذَا رَآكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ يَتَّخِذُونَكَ إِلَّا هُزُوًا أَهَذَا الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ آلِهَتَكُمْ أَهَذَا الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ آلِهَتَكُمْ وَهُمْ بِذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَنِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ And when those who disbelieve see you, O Muhammad, they take you not except in ridicule, saying, Is this the one who insults your gods? And they are, at the mention of the most merciful, disbelievers. Man was created of haste. I will show you my signs, so do not impatiently urge me. And they say, When is this promise, if you should be truthful? لو يعلم الذين كفروا حين لا يكفون عن وجوههم النار ولا عن ظهورهم ولا هم ينصرون. If those who disbelieved but knew the time when they will not avert the fire from their faces or from their backs and they will not be aided. بل تأتيهم بغتة فتبهتهم فلا يستطيعون ردها ولا هم ينظرون. Rather, it will come to them unexpectedly and bewilder them, and they will not be able to repel it, nor will they be reprieved. یہ منکرین حق جب تمہیں دیکھتے ہیں تو تمہارا مزاق بنا لیتے ہیں کہتے ہیں کیا یہ ہے وہ شخص جو تمہارے خداؤں کا ذکر کرتا ہے اور ان کا اپنا حال یہ ہے کہ رحمان کے ذکر سے منکر ہیں انسان جلد باز مخلوق ہے ابھی میں تم کو اپنی نشانیاں دکھائی دیتا ہوں جلدی نہ مچاؤ یہ لوگ کہتے ہیں آخر یہ دھمکی کب ہوگی آخر یہ دھمکی پوری کب ہوگی اگر تم سچے ہو کاش ان کافروں کو اس وقت کا کچھ علم ہوتا جبکہ یہ یہ نہ اپنے منہ آگ سے بچا سکیں گے نہ اپنی پیٹھیں اور نہ ان کو کہیں سے مدد پہنچے گی وہ بلا اچانک آئے گی اور انہیں اس طرح سے یک لخت دبوچ لے گی کہ یہ نہ اس کو دفاع کر سکیں گے اور نہ ان کو لمحہ بھر مہلت ہی مل سکے گی مذاق تم سے پہلے بھی رسولوں کا اڑایا جا چکا مگر ان مذاق اڑانے والے اسی چیز کے پھیر میں آ کر رہے جس کا وہ مذاق اڑاتے تھے سبحان اللہ صدق اللہ العظیم سبحان اللہ جی شیخ یہ تھی آیات آج کی یہ بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم So this section is quite an interesting one because it's about, it revolves around time and perceptions of time and perceptions of promises and the appointment and the and the specific date of something. So, you know, people are probably all over the world are getting appointments for vaccinations. So they, they're told, come here at this time and this is, this is what's going to happen. And so the situation with the prophets generally is that they always promise um some sort of time they always promise some some sort of punishment or some sort of reward for actions that people do in the future and so the response of that from believers is that they say we amanna or saddaqna we believe and we take it to be truthful the people that disbelieve it isn't that they accept it but it's also that they they have another response to it which is mockery and disbelief and aggression and enmity so there's a whole array of things that come into come into action at the moment that these people are told about their actions and their um, behavior and also their you know interactions with the prophets and so this is brought out here and what i see is always this idea of a promise idea of 
you know, our perception of time and the fact that everything will become clear at its appointed time, but it's not your business to know when that is. So the beginning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And when those that disbelieve see you, what do they say? They don't do anything except take you as a, a, a source of mockery. Okay, so you have to think, well, why is that, why is that the case? It, the, the reason essentially is that it goes back to the, this theme in the Quran, which is that the, the Quraysh and the, and the disbelievers wanted didn't didn't want a normal human being to be a prophet to them. They considered themselves to be too elevated, too prestigious, too proud to even entertain the fact that a human like them would tell them what to do. And so they said, why doesn't God send? Uh, you know, in the Quran it says, "Abashu minna wahidan." So they, they said, is God going to send a human, one human from amongst ourselves to us to teach us? So they didn't want a human, they wanted angels. They didn't want one, they wanted a whole army of people. And they didn't want it from somebody that they knew, they wanted somebody exotic. And you know, this is something that also just a thought that comes in my mind actually, is that people generally don't um, give much time for people that they know. They would rather have somebody exotic say the same thing. You probably know yep. this yourself. So the same thing from somebody who's exotic will have so much more impact, said in the same way, probably less impactful. And you know, what do they, and what do they have a saying about this? Garki Murgi Dal Brabar. Yeah, Garki Murgi Dal Brabar. Garki Murgi Dal Brabar. So. So this yeah. is it. I mean, this exact this exact theme is exactly what's mentioned here. Yeah. Um, and so, what did they say? Is this the person? You know, meaning is this is this the best that God could send? Is this the best person that God could send to make mention of our idols? Meaning our gods? Is this the best person that that could can can talk about our gods? In other words, disrespectfully. But then the Quran says right away, Wahum Rahmani Hum Kafirun. How can they say all this? How can they mock a prophet for speaking about their gods, quote unquote, when they themselves are disbelieving in the ultimate creator, sustainer, you know, which is Ar-Rahman? So if it comes to this idea of you know who has more right to be mocked, it's it's obvious that Ar-Rahman is the creator sustainer. Everybody accepts that. Sheikh, what's, what a contrast, right? Mm. I mean, we've come across people today, this age, that we can't look in their eye. We we would be in their awe. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I know at least two people I've just spoken about recently with some of my friends that they had noor coming out of the mm. faces that you couldn't look at them more than mm. a split second or, or maybe two, three, four seconds. This is mm. how their aura was. Uh, mm. Actually, I had the privilege of meeting someone recently from Afghanistan here in Lahore. He, he was visiting. Mm. Um, and you couldn't actually be in his company for more than a few seconds and, and look at him. Mm. Uh, you know, if this is the case with Ibadur Rahman, if this is the case with Allah's creation, not the Prophet, and so the prophet is the prophet. part of and, God's creation. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, well, yeah. So, what a contrast this is when we hear the stories that what duha, you know, shakul kamar, you know, people would be in awe with Prophet Sallallahu and yet there are people who are saying this that oh, is this the best you could send? Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes to you know, it's possible because it's a, it's a question of perception, um, and it's also a question of the fact that. You know, from one perspective, say if somebody is completely pure, you know, like when they're born, they're tabla rasa, they say in, you know, in Latin, basically a clean slate. They will recognize good and bad, beauty and ugliness. But, you know, once you you, you start filling up your tab- your your tablet with, you know, your, your sahifa and your tablet and everything with good and bad, that starts to, you know, it's like a mirror that has dust on it, which becomes so ingrained that you can't see what is in front of you. And so when the, when, when these people saw the Prophet Sassim, depending on the nature of their mirror, they would either see immense beauty and, and um, you know unending light, or they would see darkness because it's reflecting their own darkness. So 
you know, people like Abu Lahab, Abu Jahal, Utbah ibn Rabi, all these people, you can may keep going, going and mention all of these enemies of the Prophet. They all all they saw was their own reflection and they could not get through to the Prophet. Whereas you have people like Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Uthman and all the great companions, what they saw was the fact that this was the messenger of God, not Muhammad ibn Abdullah. Whereas everybody saw Muhammad ibn Abdullah, you know, the, the kind of lineage all the way back, they saw that physical human being. But because of their own characteristics, you know, they, they couldn't, you know, go any further. Whoever God guides, there is nobody to misguide them. And whoever God, um, you know, misguides, there's nobody to guide them. But remember, they always misguide themselves first and God just increases their misguidance. Mm. And so, you know, this response is weighed down in, 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 the, in the pathway, this journey of their own life. <clears throat> Whereas if they saw him in this pure state, they would recognize him to be what he was. And everybody that, you know, we know is anybody who saw the Prophet without that uh, prejudice of their, their environment and their context, we're completely struck by him, Sallallahu That's what we know. Like people, you know, in passing who saw him, like you have this famous, famous hadith of Umm Abad, um, which is, you know, when the Prophet was going in the Hijrah, he passes through a small tent, passes a tent where he essentially, with Abu Bakr, you know, asked for some milk and some water and some some food. And the woman who's there is Umm Abad. Her husband is 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 not at the tent at the moment at the time. So they come and they and they ask for some food. She says they have nothing, but they have this goat which is unable to give milk. And so the Prophet, you know, goes to the goat, prays for it, and prays with it, and it ends up giving a full um, load of milk. And the Prophet drinks it, and then he milks it again and leaves it for her. And in that time, she's watching the Prophet, and then she just pictures him. And then when her husband comes back, she says that oh, these two people came, and the strangest thing happened is that they ended up gaining milk from the, the calf, the, the sorry, the goat. And she ended up describing him in such detail and such beauty that it was a description of a person who was pure, who had never seen the Prophet. And her husband, when he heard the description, he said, Ah, Hada Sahibu Quraysh, that's the that's the person who the Quraysh are after. Because they both saw this pure description without any prejudice, prior prejudice at all. And what's unfortunate is that, you know, when in our day-to-day -day lives, we meet people who have prior prejudices. Um, yeah. Even in our own lives, for example, somebody might meet me or meet you or somebody that we know. And when they meet them, they might have a prior, prior prejudice to them. Yeah. And that will inform everything they talk say about the person until they meet the person. But, yeah, and so, that happens. yeah. Yeah, so this is like the, all the famous stories about the Prophet when people warned people about the Prophet and they had this prejudice placed in their, in their minds. When they met him, it was the complete opposite. Mm. And they said, oh, we thought you were this and we thought you were that. And he's not. And that's the reality of, of life that we live. So how about the Prophet SubhanAllah. Okay, yeah, that answers my, yeah, my thing that... Um, so there are people, people perceive others, uh, if they aren't pure in their understanding, they have prejudgments about people, mm. especially Prophet That prejudgment actually clouds the judgment even I more. mean, to be honest, like, look at today's society, people that speak about the Prophet in derogatory ways, it's a, it's a guarantee that they don't, do not know him. They don't know him. They no, don't. no, no. I'm not saying like as a Muslim saying, oh, they don't really know him. I'm saying no, they don't know. Yeah, yeah. they don't, they've not looked at what he is stood for what he essentially even the basic facts wikipedia facts for example they don't know that they've had this prejudicial enmity towards him and his religion and the people that follow him which clouds who they think he is it's like you know so many politicians that were anti-islamic in the in the continent of europe became muslim after they studied the prophet's life it's a very there famous seems, example yeah it, there seems to be a running theme of how people have continuously mocked Prophet and then there is a response as well and this keeps coming back in the surah as well and it's so relevant to our times you know how mm. Prophet was always mocked 
not because of anything other than that because he brought the truth and people just couldn't stand the truth and mm-hmm. they just wanted to be in between the truth and themselves in reality they weren't mocking the prophet they just couldn't bear thinking they could they could change their course of life yeah you know, the thing is it's the mockery is is a is a defensive mechanism to stop you having to reform yourself because yes. you realize that the person is telling the truth yeah it's like you've got vested interest in not you know like big companies have vested interest in not changing the status quo because they will lose profit and so when they see this this person coming to them a human being like themselves and they've got so much to lose financially financially in terms of prestige in terms of status in society having slaves standing right next to them in prayer for example it's so, it's humiliating and so what do they do of course they have to mock shair you know iftarahu he makes it up you know majnoon sahir you know mad or a soothsayer or or a magician everything they can do is throw just throw keep throwing something will stick and that's yeah society always we we live in the same society where anybody who has anything to say essentially is going to be face essentially the same type of action so allah says khuliq al insanu min ajal it's like this deep deep statement that human beings by nature are created out of haste hasty decisions so here the hasty decision to tie into what's being said if they thought i mean like if the, if the person disbelieved thought for a moment what he's teaching about they would realize that they should just submit but the haste is that they need to protect everything they need to protect the status quo they need to keep everything going as it is the privilege that they had in society and that's the thing that stops them in this context but if you just take the verse by itself with any context it just means that human beings as we know want everything right now even in this society in fact it is you know if the quran speaking you know over a thousand four hundred years ago talk in a desert context or, or a primitive pre-modern context that human beings are created in haste you know they didn't have these apps on phones that they could order their food right away and it came to their door you know they still had to go out and slaughter a sheep <laughs> you know they still had to go to the marketplace buy it bring it home slaughter it cook it it wasn't as if you have a cooked lamb at your door within 20 minutes of wanting it yep and still fascinatingly the quran says khuliq al insanu min ajal meaning in each time in each place in each society people will want things quicker than they should come hmm. based upon the society they live in so something might take 10 years to happen in a society this person will want it in 5 years it's still agile it's still haste because these things take it, time so it's with the context of where we are yeah so imagine my my daughter's learning calligraphy for example now um a western mindset would say oh we're here for 2 months we need to learn quickly so we need to go no the mindset of the, the master is you need to stay here 20 years and then you can go hmm because what 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 are you going to learn if you stay for 2 months or whatever it is gradual this is how long it takes this is how long i took he said and so this is how long it takes which is apprenticeship it's funny you say that today actually i was talking to someone they they wanted they were they had a deep interest in books getting illustrated in a way that will have an impact on children Mm. and he said oh is there a course that you know in pakistan or uk for that matter where people can learn how to to good desktop publishing for the books and i just couldn't think other than saying that look it's a craft you, you, you know you can't just have a crash course of 3 months mm. and learn it it's not possible and this i probably explains that agile it's haste yeah people want it this is why i want this is why i'm thinking about get get me it now quick the quickest way of doing it but yeah. to be honest the, the 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 learning is in the process not the not the, the end product yeah you you've answered my question uh, it was a ruqayya yeah no arwa arwa <laughs> arwa okay ruqayya so actually today she she's she's learning um leather she, she's making a, a about a, a satchel from leather okay yes yeah, so she's making a black satchel from leather um so and she's got all the, 
So yes, all, so craft, she's got all the, the tools, like the cutting tools, the hammers, the punches. Um, so she's, because we're going into lockdown for two weeks, she's brought it all back from the workshop. So she's going to work in it at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So yeah, we need to keep reminding ourselves, Holikal insanu min ajal. To yeah, learn so, a craft. So if you know that, yeah, if you know that, then it means that you you're on your you're on you're on your you're on your best behavior, but also you're wary of your own decisions because you know by nature you'll make a rash decision. You need to pass it by somebody. Hmm. Allah. Yeah, been trying to get back into Glasgow, but no, Holikal insanu min ajal. It has to be after Eid. So there's a lockdown here in Lahore today. There's military actually on the presence on uh, on, on the streets mm. because Eid uh, is around the corner and people just not going to contain themselves. Mm. And, and the virus is kind of like rife. And yeah, all ties back to Khulikal Insanu Min Ajal. Sa'urikum ayati Allah says, look, we will, we, will give, we will give you an insight into our signs, into these proofs that you need to know about your life and about the unity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tawheed and all, but the, 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 the in, in, incapacity of shirk to anything. Do not hasten me or do not force me into haste. It's like Allah is saying, do not force me into doing haste. God is not just going to haste. And this is why the Prophet said, that ajala is from the shaitan himself. Haste. Hmm. The, the impulse of haste. And um, deliberation is from the Rahman. It's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, to, if you say, give me a minute, um, let me think, I'll, I'll get back to you. That means deliberation. And so deliberation means that you're not going to, you know, shortchange anybody. So if somebody asks me a question, if I know, I answer. If I don't, I say, you know, it'll give me a bit of time to think about it. Because, you know, you're fulfilling a trust. You're short-selling the person if you answer right away or you, if they ask for something and you give it to them, it's not ready, for example. Imagine going to, you're, you're about to break your iftar and there's a samosa merchant in the corner of the, of the road and he's not yet finished frying his samosa. And you say, just give me as it is. Half, half fried. He can give you, but imagine this the stomach, the stomach ache afterwards. Yeah, yeah, true. Everything's true. Yeah. Uh, I will show you my signs. That is, uh, so do not impatiently urge me. Uh, it's strange that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is saying this. That don't hasten me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so don't think that I am also of that nature because I'm not. God, meaning God, I cannot be made to act in haste because everything God does is ala qadr. So it's Everything we have created, we've created at his appointed time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pointing out that this is how he has made us. He has made us, we, we are hardwired to be hasty. Yes, we because always... we want, because you, to be honest, like if you if you if you just take a, a atheistic understanding of where we are, you want to survive, and to survive you do normally the impulse is to survive right at this moment and not think planning forward, but sometimes you need you need you do need you do need, you do need to plan forward to survive, like mm. you might need to take a very bitter medicine to survive, but the bitter medicine will cause pain. But to survive, you know that that pain is relatively insignificant compared to the, the, the probability of living and, and surviving. And so human beings are by nature created in haste. They want to survive right now. They want the best thing right now. They want to um, fulfill their pleasures right now. And in our hypersensitive society, that is clearly the case. It's almost like the verses revealed for our time where mm. everything is... If I say everything, I mean every single thing of human functions is observable through digital means. Yeah, and right yeah, yeah, no, this yeah, this time. I mean, you just add in virtual reality and augmented reality, and then you've almost got the full, the full experience. And then one more jump is to <clears throat> is to put our bodies to sleep, 
and animate our minds to the point that everything is lived in the mind and our bodies just naturally decay in a, you know, a bath of some kind of liquid where it's just suspended. And everything will be instant then, everything, our relationships, our offspring, our memories, everything will be instantaneous within our mind. Yeah, you know, you used to say Sci-fi. Maybe, yeah, maybe there is a, a chip on our foreheads and we, we, we will think and it will dial a number. You know, th think about it this, like, I mean, it gets to the point where people talk about currency. Currency in the past was barter currency, which was you took an egg and you, you got it, you, you, you gave it to somebody for some wheat. And then it became, okay, sometimes, you know, in, in the Sharia, barter is not really, um, you know, encouraged because it causes the exploitation of people that are poor because they don't get exactly what they, they, they deserve. So the, the rich person will always get be able to bargain something better, hmm. okay? And so what, you know, humans came up with was metals that they used to use as intermediary. So my egg is worth, you know, two silver coins. I want two silver coins worth of wheat. Therefore, we'll get exactly what we want. And now we're getting to the point where wealth is, um, you know, in some way created in terms of paper, which says I, I promise to pay you that you, you, you've put gold into a... An account and they say we'll, we'll pay you it back this was like 100 years ago mm. then it went into the fact that okay that gold you'll never see it so we'll just give you a piece of paper now those pieces of paper are the ones that are kept in the, in the bank and usually not they're all just digitally um, ledged and now we're getting to the point where the digital ledging of you know paper paper notes or, or gold notes or whatever it is is now insignificant to the point now we're just putting in the digits and it'll get yeah. to the point where you have a equation which will determine how much you're worth, which will be like cryptocurrency. And so everything is going towards the fact that everything everything is instantaneous. Yeah. Everything is instantaneous. That's just currency. You took any other example of that. Fast food, for example, you know, look at the most developed countries. They're the, they're the ones that revel in the fastest of foods. But but see, it's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Because this is a natural progression of civilization. Things, mm -hmm. as you've said, they've progressed from one to the next and to the next stage. And this is where we are. This is how far our minds can stretch. This is where it can go. But it may just go even further and we just don't know where it will go. Maybe it will maybe it'll come back to barter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the that's thing about it. We're told that everything is, you know, in terms of development and research, is everything is permissible and also sometimes not just permissible, but also recommended and sometimes obligatory. It just depends on what it is. But the thing about Sharia is that it gives you a boundary that if you cross it, it says, okay, this is a bit too much. Whereas mm. in, in other societies, the way that they say it's a bit too much is ethical councils that they have who, which decide that this is too much interference with you know, the human DNA sequencing, for example. They say you cannot do this, for example. You cannot clone a human being, for example, or all those. But there might be a period 20 years later where they'll say, well, it's fine now because we probably need to have organs that we can harvest and give to people that need them, for example. But in Sharia, there'll be some very clear, um, like surrogacy, for example, a surrogate parent, for example. The Sharia has a line there which is clear. And if you have the impatience to want it, the Sharia will say, no, it's not permissible at all in any situation. And so... You can go as fast as you want, but there's breaks. And the breaks, when you look at them, they're actually fascinating because they they allow you to remain fully human and they allow you to have the complete experience of being a human being. Whereas, you know, you know, societies that are at the at the forefront of technology and experimentation without any limits to that, without ethical councils that, you know, tie them in are going to very, very dangerous territory, as we know. Um, you know, the kinds of diseases we're, we're dealing with now in terms of pandemics are in some way related to the encroachment into areas where people no longer, never really encroached in terms of natural habitations. And so this is why I'm saying that, you know, do not be hasty. Like, this is just do not, you know, be hasty without there being a specific reason to do it. Because remember, you know, Rossum said, you know, did say there are certain things within which haste is good, such as marrying 
early, you know, something that, or feeding somebody who's in need, for example, you know, bringing food to a, a guest, for example. You know, you don't say, we'll just wait and see if the person's hungry or not. Deliberation is not required there. <clears throat> so there is, yeah, so there is um, a context even in deliberation. Yeah, because and in Turkey, I'm in Turkey, and, and what happens in, outside Ramadan, obviously, they present you with a, with a, a tray with water and, and coffee on it, and they watch while you're drinking to check which one you drink first. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know you why know. that is? So what do you drink first? Yeah, water, of course. No, no, of course. If you've eaten, you drink coffee because you, there's no space yeah, okay. for water. And so if you drink water, it means you're hungry, which means that the, the guests will then hurry up with the food. So they, uh, they so they wait and see. If you drink the water, it means the person has space in their stomach, which means they, they need food. And if you have the coffee, it means that they've come and eaten. Now they just want to just have a wee, you know, a, a kind of a small, it's, coffee is really small. So it's just like they're full. So they just want a bit of caffeine. Caffeine. So... so so the, even there they have ajala where they're ready to to serve but they don't want it to go to waste so they have this you know trick under their sleeves mm, interesting ne never noticed that um ne never yeah so it, it's an instant assessment by presenting you with both yeah another thing is that if you if you're if you're proposing to a woman in turkey um at the the khitbah which is the, the you know where the where they dis discuss whether they're suitable or not, the woman brings out coffee, and, th and this coffee you need to know is that it will be filled with um, spices and and salt and all sorts of things. So if you're the prospective husband, you have to drink that and say nothing. And if you say something, that means you're not going to have a chance to marry her as well. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll see so you. So coffee after. is used for di different things. So it's, it's, test, it's a test as well, isn't it? So the ajala, the kind of the haste there would be the person would say, how dare you give me coffee that's already bitter with salt in it. But the ta'anni, which is deliberation, is to think, well, I need to be patient here and just bide my time and just drink this really salty coffee because inshallah she'll be good for me. So, so, so life's always, it, you know, has tests that people, you know, throw in your face. And so. Just knowing that we are created like this, and we are required to kind of pace ourselves uh, and have deliberation. It is, so the required behavior in most cases is deliberation, taking time, thinking mm -hmm. about things, uh, taking decisions which are sane, which, is, which are well-informed and maybe discussed. And if you're not doing that, we are in Ajal. And examples of, examples of Ajal, of haste, are all around us that when people mm -hmm. do that, how they end up being in a mess in their own lives. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the lack of deliberation, the whole point of it is not just for you hereafter, it's also for this life as well. Lack of planning, lack of execution, expertise. Um, so this this section in the, in, in the Quran or this chapter is all about appointments, about time, about, you know, promises. And so... Oh. You know, so the next verse is They say, okay, when is this promise going to manifest itself? If you're truthful as prophets. So in kuntum sadiqin is like not in kunta sadiqa. If you're truthful, O messenger, it's like in kuntum sadiqin. If all of you are truthful, prophets, in other words, means that, you know, when we see the chapters about the prophets, the, the, the disbelievers are are actually conversing with the prophets. It's almost like, it's all of the prophets are here in this discussion because they're all calling to the same thing. It's not as if the Prophet came with something bid'atum min rusul that's kind of innovation and, and you know, kind of, you know, upstart from the prophets. No, the Prophet was exactly the same as other prophets and what he taught. Then Allah says, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا هِينَ لَا يُكَفُونَ عَنْ وُجُوهِهِمُ النَّارِ This verse is actually quite interesting because it will say, if only the people that disbelieve knew the time when their faces will not be able to repulse the fire and neither repulse it from their backs. And they will never be um, helped or aided. It doesn't tell you what, what, what's happening. It doesn't actually tell you what will happen then. 
The Quran just says, if only these people knew that on the day that these things will happen, it means that there's something understood in the verse which is not said, which is they would rather have believed. If they knew, and, and the interesting thing about this verse also is the fact that it doesn't say, it doesn't answer the question that they ask, which is, when is this promise? You know, the answer would be, you know, on a specific day or at a specific time, or even to say, when this happens, that will be the day. The Quran, you know, it, it, it says, okay, there's a promise coming up and I'll describe it to you. And the way it's described is by giving you the picture of it as if it's already happening. You know, it's not saying, you know, this is like all of a sudden, if you hear the answer and it's answering the question, it is it's telling you that it's a day within which your faces will be unable to avert the fire and neither your backs will be able to avert the fire and neither will you have anybody to support you and protect you and, 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 and fight for you. That is the day. That will definitely happen because we've given you the details of it. We've prophesied exactly what will happen to you on that day. Now, are you concerned about that? I think you better be because physically you will feel it. Rather than an abstract discussion about, oh, it's going to be on the day that Israfil blows into the into the trumpet or the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the earth to come to nothing. No, it just says the day will be that day in which you will be unable to avert the fire from your faces and from your backs and you will never be able to be protected or, um, you know, um, defended against what's against what's coming to you it would be better oh disbelievers that you believed on that day all you need to know about it is it will come all of a sudden all of a sudden yeah meaning in a split second mm -hmm. a, that's all you need to know about it okay so th this is uh, the picture suggests it is a communal thing it is going to happen to a community or a race or a nation at a certain point but this happens to an individual mm. can happen to whenever it happens this is how it happens that split split second and that's it you're done finished yes yeah, it's, it's, it, you know you can say it's civilization and in, in, in the human civilization in, in general will go and disappear in a, in a moment we also know that's the case with our own qiyamah as well, our own individual qiyamah, which is the heart attack or the, the car crash or the incapacity slowly on the bed with your loved ones around you slowly withering away over years. But the point is, you cannot pull it back. You can't say, okay, at the moment that it encroaches, you, you say, okay, we need to pull back and not experience it at this moment in time. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, بَلْتَأْتِهِمْ بَغْتَةً and at that moment, what will happen is their psychological state will be that they'll be dumbfounded, confused, speechless. So, tabhatuhum also has this meaning of speechless, meaning, you know, all these things, for example, you know, they say, when's the, when's the promise if you're truthful? And they're, they're the mockery, and they're speaking a lot, disbelievers. Sha'ir, majnoon, you know, iftarahu. So there's lots of things they're saying, but that moment, hmm. they'll be um, speechless. They will be dumbfounded. And they will be unable to repulse it. And they will find no respite from that encroachment at all. Rather, it will come to them unexpectedly and bewilder hmm. them. And they will not be able to repel it, nor will mm. they be. Reflections with Sheikh Radwan Muhammad, Surah Anbiya, uh, which is 21st Surah of the Quran, and the ayahs today between 30 and 40, 35 and 40, uh, mostly to do with time, to do with our makeup of how we are made as humans and how we are expected to behave if we are not self regulating ourselves. Uh, and what's the ideal behavior we should have of deliberation were the themes that we discussed a short ad break and inshallah we're going to go on to the next theme of next two ayahs <laughs>
In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. وَإِذَا رَآكَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا إِنْ يَتَّخِذُونَكَ إِلَّا هُزُوًا أَهَذَا الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ آلِهَتَكُمْ أَهَذَا الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ آلِهَتَكُمْ وَهُمْ بِذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَنِ هُمْ كَافِرُونَ And when those who disbelieve see you, O Muhammad, they take you not except in ridicule, saying, is this the one who insults your gods? And they are, at the mention of the most merciful, disbelievers. Man was created of haste. I will show you my signs, so do not impatiently urge me. And they say, When is this promise, if you should be truthful? لو يعلم الذين كفروا حين لا يكفون عن وجوههم النار ولا عن ظهورهم ولا هم ينصرون. If those who disbelieved but knew the time when they will not avert the fire from their faces or from their backs and they will not be aided. بل تأتيهم بغتة فتبهتهم فلا يستطيعون ردها ولا هم ينظرون. Rather, it will come to them unexpectedly and bewilder them, and they will not be able to repel it, nor will they be reprieved. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ridi Ramadan 87.7 FM uh, program Reflections uh, with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Um, we, we have not been able to bring you the 41st ayah of uh, this surah, which inshallah will be the conclusion of uh, today's sitting, and which is uh, so, Sheikh, we will finish off today's reflections with commentary of this ayah. Yeah. So, this this verse primarily is a consolation and a what we would call in Arabic tasalli, which is um, yeah, it's to lessen the the effect of the attack on the Prophet by telling him that you know previous prophets have also been mocked. Muhammad, prophets prior to you, and in this context, Rusul, which also means prophets, it's translated usually as messengers, but prophets are interchangeable as words. You know, messengers and prophets before you have been mocked. And what happens is that there's a response. What the end result of this mockery of prophets is is that there is a there's a there's a, what do you call a um a thesis and antithesis. So there's a, a, a action and reaction that's that's probably better. So there's a, an action which happens, which is this mockery of prophets before them. But there is a reaction, which is that they are besieged and end up tasting their own medicine. And so what happens is that they're besieged and, and affected and inflicted and decimated by the same process of their own you know, deriding and mocking. So it's almost as if what goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. So it's tasalli. So it's like it's putting the problem at ease in terms of his his mind that you're nothing but 
one in a line of illustrious people that were sent by God to people who then mocked them. And then at the end of the day, the mockery did not do them any any benefit. In fact, what it ended up doing was being a, a proof against them rather than a proof for them in the day of judgment, but also during their own lives. So previous, as we'll see, this is going to start moving on to the stories of other prophets where we're talking about what did they do to the prophets? What was the result of their actions? What was their end? And so the prophet be told, look, this is exactly what's going to happen. It's like Surah Yusuf we talked about previously. Mm -hmm. The chapter is a story of a prophet, but telling the prophet that just before he's going on hijrah and when he's going through such difficulties is basically telling him, look, you're a, you're a prophet like these prophets and specifically this prophet Yusuf, your story will be like his, his, his story because it's like a cyclic experience of prophecy that every prophet has to go, these, go through these difficulties, has to face this opposition, has to go through tests, and in the end, they're victorious. And so this is exactly what the chapter is. This completing that whole cycle of discussion, and then it will go on to, you know, um, going back on a warning to the disbelievers you know, in, in the next verse, which will be about, you know, will these people be able to defend themselves from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You know, so we'll come, inshallah, come to that. Um, so, on, on, on uh, one hand, this is the state of affairs. This is what the state of affairs is: that people mock, people become a wall between themselves and and Haq and and the message. Hmm. On the other hand, uh, Prophet has been termed as Kamil, the perfect, mm -hmm. uh, Habibullah, the beloved, Safiullah, the intimate of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Mm -hmm. And just kind of trying to deliberate, kind of uh, deliberation on or reflection on the name, especially Safiullah, the intimate mm -hmm. of Allah Subhanahu wa Intimate. So why, why are you asking about that here? What's the connection? The, the connection is the contrast. I think these, these oh, okay. ayahs, uh, I've been, uh, the, the, it's kind of like unsettling in a way that we talk about the mockery of the Prophet in in relative e with relative ease and with a bit of kind of casualness. Mm -hmm. there, there is a bit of casualness about it. Whereas the, the the reverence and the respect and the love that we are taught growing up is that we don't even kind of mention the fact that he was ever mocked. Mm. Yeah, so a person has not read the Quran but has been told to respect the Prophet so is in for a shock when they read the Quran because it paraphrases and quotes directly the line of attack of previous nations and especially the time the, time the Prophet and then it also then gives the cue to people in today's society which attack the Prophet essentially regurgitating the same things. Yeah. Like the best they will come up with now is, you know, I'm going to say it, but you know, the least of it will be warlord. So he was just a warrior. That's that's almost like um, a, a, a type of praise for him from them. They'll say, "Well, he's a warlord, so he was brave, and but he was just after power, for example, or unified the Arabs, for example, these kind of things." And then far worse. So nothing that's not been mentioned in the past, but the contrast of that is that what the reality of his constitution was and his his being was is. Um, clear for everybody that set pen to paper to describe him, whether Muslim or non-Muslim. You know, when we were when I was at university, we had various various books on the Sira that we had to study. Montgomery Watt had a very famous one. He was a he was a lecturer and professor of Islamic studies in Edinburgh University at the time. He'd written a book on the Prophet in Mecca and Medina, and his Sira is mirrored by most writers after that time in English. Her fear, which is that they did not dismiss dismiss him as being simply um, some kind of warlord or some kind of intelligent leader, they knew that there was something special about his his character. But of course, they can disagree with what the source of that difference was, but the depth and the and the legendary nature of that and the and the extraordinary nature of that was something that they all agreed upon and do agree upon at this moment in time. People are fair, who are not Muslims, and so we have all that. You, Safi is an interesting uh, 
um, description of the Prophet from, from Safa, which is to do with um, you know something being very select or um, you know chosen. Chosen would be the best word. Mm-hmm. It's the same root actually as Mustafa. Mustafa, you know, Mustafa is the chosen one. So Mustafa is, if, if I were to describe it, Mustafa is the public face of Safi. Okay, okay. So the, the, the one who is Safi is called Mustafa. No, no. The public face of Safi is Mustafa. In other words, imagine a person and they're called Mustafa. The, the face they show to the public is Mustafa. So the chosen one. People, here you go. He is the chosen one. He is the chosen one for you. So in the hadith of um, Muhammad, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, it's related by Imam Ahmad and Bayhaqi, in which the, he said that إِنَّ اللَّهَ نَظَرَ فِي قُلُوبِ الْعِبَادِ فَمَا رَأَى قَلْبَ أَنْقَ وَأَطْهَرْ مِنْ قَلْبِ مُحَمَّدٍ فَابْتَحَثَ إِلَيْهِ رِسَالَتَهِ That God looked into the hearts of all um, humans and he saw no heart pure or, or, or more cleansed in the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. He chose him for himself and he sent him the message, meaning the, the, the revelation. So, فَاسْطَفَى is to choose to send out. So, like, oh mankind, here's Mustafa. He's your, he's the chosen one for you to to follow. Do you understand? So, this is the public, the public face of the, the this beautiful person, the Prophet is Al Mustafa. But then, the intimate face of that choice, which is private between him and Allah, is Safi, which Allah. he is the one chosen by God to be the one God intimately chose. Like he personally chose him. Like imagine, you know, God is the best example, but imagine you have a CEO and then he wants to choose a a replacement or somebody to speak on their behalf. And they have such a rapport and love between them in the boardroom, for example. And then the the kind of connection there is different from the connection that the, the, the CEO wants to give that person outside, but he wants them to be respected. We don't know what goes on in the boardroom, but there's intense respect and love. Okay, but when you go out, the person see you will say, "Look, the company, everyone in the company needs to respect this person because he is my representative." So the Safi is like the one that God chose for Himself as being the highest pinnacle of prophecy. So, I mean, what do we say about that? It's like you know, it's like the intensive form of choice. It's like Khalil. Khalil in Arabic is the one that you have a, as a very close companion. Or Naji, same kind of morph- morphological sarf root, which is the one that you, you speak to closely. Or uh, Habib, which is the one you have very intimate love with. Safi is from that same you know, etymological, morphological root of Arabic language, which means intensive. And so when the Prophet becomes Safi, it's we don't know what that means because it means God has a special affinity with the Prophet for having chosen him for himself. And it's not, you know, so you don't, so you don't make a mistake here. It's not that God has a, has a need to have that connection with the Prophet. Do you understand? You know, because God is not in need of anything in creation, but that is needed for people to recognize who he is. So what, what, what makes us special? So we know Muhammad, we know Ahmad, hmm. we, know, we know Rasulullah, we know Nabiullah, the messenger, the prophet, uh, the one who's always praised, Ahmad who's uh, kind of praised in itself. Hmm. And then we, I mean, we've always interacted with Habibullah, Shafiullah. But this is the first time I've actually properly read and heard about Safiullah. What's special in this? What's special in this is that, you know, it comes back to that same thing of if you claim your connection to, the, to Allah and worship of God and adoration and, and, and subjugation to God, 
then there's things that you need to know about God, which is he's chosen prophets, sent them, sent them to people and asked them to be guides. And they have levels and, and, and different um, statuses in, in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One amongst them is Safi. And one of amongst them is so special that he is the one that God has as an intimate choice for himself. You know, like you select out of all the prophets that you can possibly have, that you choose one to have this special quality of Safi. It means then when he goes into the public, you know, people are saying, well, this is the Safi of the creator of the heavens and the earth. Mm, the and, and, and then your honor to that individual is commensurate and corresponding to the degree to which you understand he's sent by God as being the one he has specifically chosen for himself. So, you know, it's like, um, how do you give you an example of this? This is like, you know, you hear that somebody you know, somebody chose somebody for something, you don't, you don't know why it is, but you respect the person that made the choice. When you see the person that they say, this is my choice, you, you don't judge them based upon what you see, you judge them based upon the fact that the person you respect has chosen them. There must be something there. It's like, you know, when Osama bin Zaid was chosen at, at the head of the army at the end of the life of Prophet the Prophet chose him. And then the companions didn't see why, because they thought his father, you know, Zaid ibn Hanath, was martyred in the Battle of Mu'tah, and he was criticized for not being a good commander. And those murmurings came out during the life of the Prophet about Osama as, as well. The Prophet said, I've told you to send him as a leader, and all of you have to be in his army. Now, Abu Bakr, when Rotten passed away, you know, Ali Salatu Wasalam, when he was told by the closest companions change him, Abu Bakr said, the Prophet chose him. He didn't say, okay, Osama, come, let's check if you're worthy of the, the challenge. No, he said, the Prophet chose him. I'm not looking at the person, I'm looking at the person that chose him. Mm. So this is the chosen one. This is the one that he, the person chose for himself to be the commander of the army to go against the Byzantines. And he went and he came back four months later victorious against all the odds. So there was something there. And so when the person is presented to you amongst the, the overriding characteristics and names of the Prophet that we have, is this another one, which is Safi, which is that this is the one that God directly chose for himself. For himself, for intimate conversation. Safiullah. 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 Subhanallah. So, reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, we end today's reflections <coughs> with this beautiful name of Prophet Safiullah, the intimate and the intimate of Allah. Um, intimately chosen. Intimately yeah. chosen one. Intimately yeah. chosen one. Safiullah. I still struggle, but okay. Mm. Final moments, so we'll leave it at that. Safiullah, the intimately chosen. We leave people with a track which praises the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Safiullah, Habibullah, Najiullah, Kalimullah. We'll be back tomorrow. Till then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.